Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Mark, book uh, chapter 3, verses 31 through 35. Uh, the book of Mark, chapter 3, verses 31 through 35. And his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers are outside, seeking you. And he answered them, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. This is the word of the Lord. This is uh, part seven um, of our series, The Incomparable Jesus. And this isn't a, a long passage. Um, it's just uh, five verses. And, but it opens up explosively big things. Um, it's a really profound passage. And it's a kind of, um, these kinds of uh, words in the Bible are why, um, why certain people basically hate Christianity. And it's kind of strange to talk about. Uh, um, people, we've, in America, we tend to think, in America, Christianity is offensive for various different kinds of reasons. You know, like our sexual ethic is, is unpopular. Uh, our view that there's only one salvation, one way to salvation, that's, that's really unpopular. But, it's, um, but Christianity is deeply offensive in other parts of the world for very different reasons. And, um, and this passage really touches on, on, on that reason. Right? Um, we, in the, there's, a, there's a place in here, you can start to, start to see this. Um, you're seeing, it just seems like a strange thing Jesus is saying. But in this time, for Jesus to say what he's saying... <laughs> That, um, that your family's looking for you. But then he goes and says, actually, these are my mother, my brothers, and my sisters. Those people who follow the will of God, they're my real family. That would have been an unbelievably offensive and explosively controversial thing for a man of God to say in this, in this culture. Because this culture is deeply rooted in family. Who you are is all about family. And if you're not loyal to your family, if you don't properly honor your family, I mean, are you kidding? You are asking for wrath. You're asking for wrath from your family. You're asking for wrath from the society. The society's going to look at you like, what kind of a gross person could possibly think or say these things? If you go back to verse, um, I mean, I'll just, just says in verse 21, it says, uh, he went, oh, there's 20. He went home and the crowd gathered again so they could not even eat. Verse 20, when his family heard it, they went out to seize him for they were saying, he's out of his mind. So already there's this, you know, you have this hint and before you get to this passage that the way Jesus is teaching and leaning, it's, 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 it's really breaking and causing problems inside his very own family. And then for Jesus to say this, I mean, um, yeah. <laughs> and so let, let's wrestle with this passage. Um, I'm going to actually spend two weeks on this passage, and we're going to, we're going to talk about this, this larger understanding of where do you belong. This is really the question. And then next week, I'm going to talk, I want to address some applications specifically for your own families. All right? So let's get into it um, this week. Part one, where do you belong? <laughs> That's the question I want to ask. Where do you ultimately belong? You have to have belonging. If you don't belong to some place, some, some people, then you're just on your own. <laughs> and that's not a good place to be. 
So where do you ultimately belong? Part two, the costs of our selfish individualistic autonomy. Because in America, you know, I already know what your answer is. I don't belong to anyone. I belong to me. <laughs> That's what we all want to believe. That's what we tend to think. I don't belong to my dad or my mom or my family. I only belong to me. But there's costs, big costs, to that way of doing life. Right? And part three, um, I want to close by sharing the gospel with you, and I'm going to call this the everlasting belonging of God's family. Right? The everlasting belonging of God's family. All right, let's go to part one. Let me, um, let's get back to this question. Where do you belong? Let me say it a little bit differently to you. Uh, where are you known and cherished and valued? Where are you known and cherished and valued? Um, the obvious answer for that for most of you will probably be, well, in my family. And um, that's good. There are some of you, some of you listening to this message, um, you won't say it's your family. That's hard. And if you don't have a family to say, this is where I'm known. This is where they cherish me. This is where I'm valued as a human being. Then, then, then you're saying, wow, does nobody know me? Belonging. Where do you belong? <laughs> you have to belong someplace, some people. You can't just belong to yourself. Now, this question, um, you know, uh, this question, we want to belong to something bigger than yourselves. And pretty much every society in the world, you know how they defined it? Generally, they define it one of two ways. One is, first, you belong to your family. And then, two, you belong to the clan of the families, which we call our tribe, or which we call our nation. Um, you know, you, you guys have ever watched, uh, you know, when, when, you were, when I was a, a kid, um, there'd be ants in our backyard. And um, do you ever, I don't know, this, I'm kind of a, a weirdly cruel, this is, I don't know, I don't know if I'm weirdly cruel, probably an average cruel boy, all right? I would find a set of ants in my backyard, and then I would find another set of ants on the other side of the backyard. And then, you know, what I would find is, oh, the red ants are over here, and the black ants are over here. You know what I would do? I'd get a stick. <laughs> And I would let all the red ants crawl on that stick. And then I would take it over to the black ants. <laughs> and I would shove that stick into the, the colony of the black ants. <laughs> and, and of course, the red ants and the black ants completely got along, and they were a one united family, right? No. <laughs> you know, because I knew what would happen, and you know what happens. What happens is, the red ants and the black ants, they go to war. <laughs> they go to war. They hate each other's guts. And of course, I'm, uh, you know, I would just watch it and go, this is, this is, that would be entertainment for the next 30 minutes. <laughs> okay, that's the kind of like stupid things you do when, you know, when you're like an eight-year-old boy. Um, even the ants know that they have to belong somewhere. Hmm? The ants know that. Um, guess what? Human beings, we, you know, we're, we're a little... We're a little more sophisticated than the ants, but deep down, we have to belong someplace. And everywhere, in just about every society in the world, except for probably America, right? Um, even in Europe, I think, they still believe this. They still get this. 
You know, the human being, if you're just on your own, you know what will happen to you? It's just, just I, mean, I mean, like totally on your own, right? Uh, you're totally on your own. You know what will happen to you? You'll, you'll die. <laughs> you'll die. Um, you won't just die because you don't have enough food or because you don't have enough shelter. People think what we need is if I have enough food and I have really good clothes and I have a really nice house and I drive a Tesla, you know, because we're, we're past BMW in this city, right? You know, it used to be the BMW was the cool car and now, like, we're, you know, we're like, that's not so cool. And if you have all those things, you're good, right? Wrong. You know what? You're going to die. You know why you're going to die? Because inside of you, more than food, is you need to be known. You need to be cherished. You need to be valued. And you know what? Somebody else has to do that for you. You get that? Somebody else has to say to you, I, we know you. We love you. We value you. We embrace you. If nobody else does that, you will die inside. <laughs> we have various words for it, loneliness, but I don't even think that's a good enough word. You're just dying a slow death inside. That's all that's going to happen. And so every society, let's put it this way, every society, you know, they, the family is like the biggest thing in your life. <laughs> now, um, most of the people in this room are Asian, but even the Europeans get it, okay? I mean, you get your average German or your Frenchman, you're Spaniard, guess what? You can't, you can't be disloyal to your family. What happens if you go against the values of your family? So you, our family is about this. We stand for this. We have this code. We have these expectations. If you go against them and you go against something important enough, what happens to you? Right? Um, in some places in the world, your own family will murder you. I'm not making that up. That's not like some primitive thing. It's happening now. <laughs> um, and some other places in the world, and all throughout history, getting killed wasn't even necessarily the worst punishment. Do you know what would happen? And sometimes in, in, in some societies, what they would do is they would kick you out of the house and they would kick you out of the tribe and they would say, see those hills? Walk over those hills and don't ever come back. <laughs> and you know what? That Exile was considered worse than death because you'd be alive, but you'd be dying. It'd be better if they just shot you or just hung you up. Now, what is Jesus doing here? Jesus, he is taking that vision that Jesus is supposed to have allegiance and duty to this group of people called his family. And you know what he's doing? It? He's breaking it. He's saying, this isn't the biggest thing. This isn't the biggest thing at all. <laughs> he even says, you know what? My, that pe those people over there calling me my family, they're not even my family. That's what he's doing. These people here, we follow the will of God, you're my family. <laughs> wow. Let me just ask you a little question. Um, a lot of you are smart. Do you know if anybody else has ever said this? <laughs> Just think about it for a moment. Now, in the West, in America, we have these people, and we think, okay, you know, your, your company can be your family. Do you, you, you ever go to a company and they say, we're family? Anyone ever have, work for a company that says family? Let me ask you something. 
Um, is your company your family? <laughs> is your company your family? Can, do they have ultimate claim over you? Right? You know why your family, your company can't be your family? <laughs> if your company is your family, you're in deep trouble. Because your family can't fire you. <laughs> they can't lay you off. Because they're supposed to love you. You're bound to them. They're bound to you. But Jesus is taking this thing, and he's breaking that. <laughs> let's just, let's just, let me just talk for a moment here about some other things. I told you that some people um, in the world, they find this idea the most offensive thing. Um, okay, you know, you know, like we're a Christian church. When we send missionaries to other places in the world, and, um, you know, like uh, one of the missionaries, or actually two of the missionaries, that we support um, work in, in a Muslim-dominant society. Um, I don't know if you know this. There's different Muslim na you know, nations that are you know, dominated by, uh, you know, by, by Islam. Do you know that in most of them, <laughs> most of them, it is illegal, illegal. It is against the law that if a person believes in Jesus, he can go around and share that faith in Jesus and try to get other people, especially his family, to believe in Jesus. Do you know that? That's against the law. Then in Saudi Arabia, if you do this, so like they tend to do this, they, they, they want to they make money. So if you're a foreigner and they're going to, they want to have, you know, do your business in the country, you come into the country. If you're a foreigner and you believe in something else, they're like, oh, you're a Christian. Oh, you're Jewish. Okay, you can go to synagogue. You can go to church. Okay, whatever. But if you're a citizen of that country, and they find out that you go to church and you got baptized. And then you're starting to tell the gospel to your own family members. You know what could possibly, I'm not, I'm not talking about some, you know, like non-modern, we're talking about Saudi Arabia, right? You know what happens? <laughs> they throw you into prison and there's a good chance you'll die. And you know what will happen? Your family will approve the proof. Oh, okay, that's just uh, radical Muslims, right? No, this happens in Hindu society. It happens in all kinds of societies. <laughs> so this question of family, it's not even just about who loves you. You know, it's actually getting into the deepest things because you know what families are built on? Families are built on what they value the most. Okay, now let me just stop for a moment. Okay, families are built on what they worship the most. So some people say, we, we worship God, okay? So let's just sit for a moment. That's what your family values, okay? So that's the religion you practice, okay? But um, some of you, so this, this I'm, I know I'm touching into something kind of raw and painful here. Some of you, if you're, especially the young people in this room, if you choose to not become a doctor, if you choose to not become a doctor, what might happen in your family? <laughs> Could, some bad, bad stuff could happen in your family. So on the, on the outside, you're, we say we worship God, but you say, I'm not going to, you know, your, your dad and mom has decided you're going to be a doctor. <laughs> you go off to college, you come home, and you say, hey, I want to be a philosophy major. Is that going to go over well? It's probably not going to go over very well, right? And it isn't just because college costs a lot of money. It's because 
deep down, you know what you're, you're touching? You're touching what your family values most. Let me put it a little differently, what they worship. Every family worships something. Every family values something. I mean, it's weird. They'll use the word worship with God. And then they'll say, we value this kind of way of life. But then you come into your family and you find out that if you don't go to church, your family's kind of like, eh, whatever. <laughs> right? But if you choose the major that they don't want you to choose, all hell breaks loose. <laughs> And so, um, okay, this is a, a kind of a painful thing to talk about, but it's very relevant since a lot of the people in this room are, are, are Asian. Uh, when I went to college, when I went to college, um, you met Asians in college. There are only like about three majors. <laughs> you walk into the college, the college offers you 130 majors. But these folks... It's like all the yellow-skinned folks, there's only like three pathways. And if you ask them, they're like, oh, you really want to be a doctor? Not really. <laughs> Not really. What I really like to do is start a rock band. <laughs> That's what I really, really want to do. Oh, okay. It's like, but you're, but you're failing organic chemistry. <laughs> Why are you doing that? You're killing yourself for organic chemistry. Why are you doing that? Because the family owns them. Hmm. That's why. Now, um, this is the thing in America. Now, I want to just say this one point, and then I'll go to part two. Okay, in America, we consider this terrible. Right? Even a lot of, um, even a lot of uh, the people in the stream were like a little bit more Americanized Asians. Right? Or, but even then, we'll go like, although that's terrible. Right? But... Um, if your if your if your child chooses to just let's just wait before you you judge that let's just wait till you 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 have a I'm, I'm wrestling with this too because my son's about to go off to college, right? I'm like, okay, am I a lot more Christian or am I still got the idolatries of my family and then expect my son to be squished under what I want? Hmm. So we have this too. We just kind of soften it. You know, in, in America, it's like if your daughter roots for the wrong football team, <laughs> now there's problems, right? But like, you know, you're not going to kick your daughter out of the family over, the, over a football team or something like that. But um, it's happening. But um, we, believe, we believe that everyone should have freedom to choose their own way and be valued on their own terms, right? Sure seems like a better way, doesn't it? And, you know, this is a really interesting thing. In America, you know, we all want to make our own values. And if, if Christianity disagrees with what I want to do to make my own identity, then Christianity is bad. But I want to just point, make the, point this out to you before we go to part two, that in the rest of the world, Christianity is very much a pathway toward liberation from the oppression of family. It's right here in this passage. Because you can just, just think about this. A young Hindu is going to read this thing and saying, but I worship Jesus. And Jesus is telling me that God is bigger than my family. And I could turn away from what my family, how they want to define me, 
and go another way. And God says it's okay. And it happens. And all around the world where the Bible is presented, you know what happens? This happens. <laughs> all around the world, people read the Bible, and young people, then they start thinking, wait a second. I think my dad is being a serious hypocrite for valuing medicine over God. That's sort of like the, the Asian American problem. And it's like in every college. Right? Um, and then you have like you have young people who grew up in whatever their view was. Like so, you know, let's see, let's use a. I I have a friend um, from many years ago in college. Uh, when I was in college, her great grandfather was the first Christian in her family. This is in Korea, right? Her great grandfather was the first Christian in her family. This is the story. He read the Bible. He read a passage like this and realized. In their, in their village, they worshiped the God that was in this grand, there was this incredible tree in the middle of the village. And that tree, they saw that was like the source of all life. It gave their, their soil, made their soil strong. It gave them good weather. And like it made them rich and powerful. That was the view. You know what her, her great-grandfather did? He read the Bible, gave his life to Jesus, and in the middle of the night... Her family, you know, they, they worship this tree, or the god of the tree. They don't actually literally worship the tree. You know what her great-grandfather did? He went out of his house in the middle of the night and took an axe and chopped that tree down. <laughs> and then when his family woke up, they went berserk. And what do you think her great-grandfather did? He ran for his life. <laughs> he ran for his life. Yeah, that's how faith came into their family. <laughs> that's, uh, I heard that story, and I was like, wow, your great-grandfather. And you know what he probably thought? He said, I love my mom and dad, but how will they be freed from the oppression of this false god unless I chop the tree down? <laughs> he did it to love his mom and dad because of Jesus. This is happening all around the world. This is why the Bible is banned. <laughs> This is why the Bible is banned. You know, you think they banned the Bible because there's some weird teaching about a cross? You think the Bible is banned? Because, this is why the Bible is banned. This is why, the, this, like these five verses and other verses like it, is why the Bible is the most banned book in history. It will always be the most banned book in history. So think about that. Oh, Christianity is an oppressive religion. Oh, it's such an oppressive religion, right? It frees people all around the world and throughout history. Let's go to part two. Let's talk about our problem. So this is gross. How can a family just squish you into their little box? You know, because it's, this is their thing, and so they're going to make you into their thing, right? So in America, we fully accepted that the individual has, has a special value before God. But now we've, like, taken God out of it. It's, it's so since God is out of it, what we have ended up with is a kind of selfish autonomy, this is the real religion of America. The real religion of America is I get to make my own life mine. I belong to myself. That's, just, that's probably like um, doctrine number one of the real religion of America. Selfish, individualistic autonomy. That's the real religion. So, uh, okay, 
Autonomy. All right, let, let me define that a little bit. Autonomy is an old a Greek word. Auto means self. Nomos means law. I get to make my own laws and rules for myself. It's deeply selfish. Here's a, here's a catch. Big time catch. There's costs. All right. So let me ask you, can you tell yourself, you're so special. You're valued. You're beautiful. Can you say that to yourself? Um, the, today, self-esteem is that. You're supposed to, self is supposed to give you esteem. Self-esteem is like taught everywhere. Everybody has to have self-esteem. The self has to tell the self, you're valuable, you're special, you're great. I mean, some of you are like, how can anybody believe this? But it's, what do you mean? This is taught everywhere. <laughs> it's taught everywhere. It's like it reinforced in our schools all the time. But there's a big, big problem. Nobody believes it. Nobody believes it. You have to have a reason to think that you're valued. So you know what? You know what happens? Somebody else, some other community has to tell you you have value. So you know what happens? So when you're growing up, you know, your mom and dad, and they may, so maybe you don't like the way your mom and dad says about you. So then when you go off to school, and you go off to school, and your teacher says, you're smart. <laughs> you're valued. Maybe it was your third grade teacher. Maybe it was your fourth grade teacher. And you know what happens? Now, you're going to make school the community that shapes you. And the grades that you get because the thing is, like, how smart I am, that's the thing that gives me value. That's the thing that gives me value. Some of you are like, okay, I'm not doing that. That's not, I'm not going to do that. So you go on to the sports, you go out to the recess, and the teacher says, wow, you're fast. You want to join our team? And then you go out to the sports team, and then the coach says, oh, you're really good. You're fast. That's what gives you value. So then you know what happens? So you think you belong to yourself, but now the team, the sports team, is going to ultimately have control over you. They give you belonging. You know what happens to athletes? So this happens at every level. The kid who thinks his real value, it's like maybe he hates his mom and dad, or maybe his parents got divorced, so he doesn't have a relationship with his dad, and he kind of resents his mom. But his value is he was fast. And so he was the best guy on the football team. And then he got a scholarship. And he went to a Division I school. And then he was the fastest guy on his football team at, you know, named the football, you know, like, so it was a good school. And then in his sophomore year, in the middle of practice, he cuts his knee, tears. He'll never run as fast as ever again. Then the team cuts him. Then he loses scholarship. Now he can't finish school. And now what? Well, you know, he just needs to go study and do something else. But all his value was built on that. All his value was built on that. Okay, you know, some of you are like, you're, 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 I, I chose the good grades pathway. I wasn't the top student, but then I had to go. This is why, you know, your junior, your senior year of high school, 
You know why it's so scary? Because you said that I got to get into a school of at least this level. And your value was built on being smart enough to get into a school of this. I got to get into these schools above, the, above this level. I, I don't want to end up in a school at this level. So then you badly want this school to say to you, we want you. <laughs> these schools will say, we want you. Okay, that's fine. So if you get that acceptance letter, whatever. But what happens when this school says to you, we don't want you? You know what I'm talking about here? You gotta belong someplace. If you don't belong to your family, if the fam if your family doesn't value you, some other team, some other group has to say, we know you. We value you. You're one of us. And what if they don't? What if they don't? Brothers and sisters, let me tell you something, especially all you younger guys. Um, you should pay attention to the news. When the economy goes down, and then companies lay people off. So this will be a company here in our, in our, in our city, and they... They you know, hire 5,000 people in our city. Let's say they hire 300 people in our city. But they're not making much money, and business is bad. You know, so then the company has 300 people. They're going to fire 50 people. The company that, that, that hires 5,000 people, they're going to they're get rid of 500 people or 1,000 people. And your dad might be one of them. You might be one of them. Your mom might be one of them. And you think, we're going to make less money. Let me tell you something. That's not the biggest problem. <laughs> that's not the biggest problem. The fact that you're going to make less money is like, OK, that's, that's, not, that's not good. You're going to like, oh, can we make it? And then at some point, you're like, maybe we can't make it. Then you have to like, you know, move away, all right? Well, that's hard, but that's a solution. You can go live somewhere else. I mean, there's a lot more other places that are cheaper than around here, all right? But that's not the biggest problem. The biggest problem is the place where you have belonging, for a lot of people, it's their work, especially for a lot of men. This is where I have, I'm valued. This is where I'm known and I'm valued. This is where I put in a lot of energy. And then they, when they cut you, you know what's going to happen? Now, a lot of men, you know what they're feeling like? I'm not just a guy who's out of work. I am nothing. Why, you know why a lot of you young people feel really scared about not getting, to, getting a certain SAT score or getting to a certain college? Because it's not just about college. It's not just about college. It's about where do I belong? Where am I valued? And if they cut you, if they say, we say no to you, I don't know. Maybe I'm nothing. And then you badly have to work hard to get back in. To wherever, this is the place, because this is where I have value. <laughs> People who f are afraid of being nothing, because that's the threat. We'll kick you out, and you'll be nothing. <laughs> People who are afraid of being nothing, they make really good slaves. <laughs> I'll give you a, I'll give me, let me give you a different example. I read this many, many years ago, when I think it was like, Time Magazine. This is when Time Magazine was actually a good magazine, okay? I read this when I was in high school. 
I read this article in high school, and it was explaining why young men join gangs. <laughs> why wouldn't you join a gang? You join this gang, you know, like it's in, in like, it'd be like, it's usually of a certain ethnicity. And then why? They get certain tattoos, and then they go and war against other gangs. And it's often, if you join this gang, you go through the initiation, they accept you, you pretty much have a expected lifespan. So you join this gang when you're like 14. And you pretty much can know that you're probably going to be dead by the time you're 25. You either be dead or in prison by the time you're 25. But they do it. Why do they do it? And then if you read the article, I read the article, it was shocking. As a teenager, I, just, I was like, whoa, it was completely shocking. I read the article and said, because the gangs will say, you will be our family. That's really what it boiled down to. If you join us, I'll always have your back. And if someone ever insults you or betrays you, I'll go to the death for you. When you're with us, we value you. We'll all die together, even if it means we die at the age of 17 or 22 or end up going to prison together. Who cares? We're together. In this world, everybody thinks if you go out and make enough money and people think you're a cool person, then your life will be good. No, no, no. If you, if somebody can threaten you with being nothing, you'll be a slave. Because they are threatening you with the ultimate. Nothingness is basically hell. And so, let me say this. You know what real salvation is? Real salvation is you get to belong to a family that you'll never be kicked out of. (laughs) And you'll be known. You'll be forgiven. You'll be loved. You'll be cherished forever and ever. That's salvation. That's real salvation. Okay? And so, you know, some of you are thinking like, if you think about, um, you know, believing in Jesus, I believe in Jesus. Do I have to go to church? That's, that's, I get that question all the time. So, Pastor, I believe in Jesus. Do I have to go to church? <laughs> the answer is yes and no. <laughs> Do you have to go to church? Strictly speaking, the answer is no. But if you don't go to church, you're really stupid. <laughs> you know why? Because what kind of a person who belongs to a family never gathers with his family? Your whole family's getting together for Thanksgiving dinner. You're like, yeah, I think I'm just going to watch a movie that night because I just have something better to do. Is that what you're going to do? You need your family. And so let me just say a little something about this. Jesus, he says this thing. Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. You know what's at the top of the thing, at the will of God? Go be a part of the family. Go to church. That's such a a legalistic way of putting it. Go be part of church. Go be with your family. 
You know, um, let me ask you this thing. Some of you are going to work for some cool company, Apple or Google. Some of these are the most famous cool companies in our. And then there are like some of you are working for. So it's not a famous company yet, but it's a startup, <laughs> and they're going to be famous, and 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 they're going to be bought out. And the, those stock options that they've offered you, they're going to be worth millions, and you're going to be a millionaire by the time you're 25. Okay, that's like that's 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 the carrot that's in this city, right? And then they say this, they throw this language around at you. You're a part of our family. You're a part of our family. Let me just ask you a question. What's going to last longer, Apple or the church? Hmm? What's going to last longer? What family do you want to be a part of and put your, you want to you put your eggs into a basket? You want to you say, hey, I'm going to invest in a family, and they'll never, they'll be there. You want to choose Apple, or you want to choose the church? And let me tell you something. You better choose the church. <laughs> you better choose the church. Why? The church is forever. Because the church is not a religious institution. It's not a building. The building is gone. Who cares, okay? You know, you know those that glorious, those glorious buildings in Paris and in London. You know, and even America has some like, beautiful buildings. Who cares about the building? But the family's forever. The family of God is eternal. Whatever you do and give into your family of God, you're contributing into something that's eternal. And I'm not saying that what you contribute to, you know, Apple, it doesn't matter. But Apple will be gone tomorrow. It'll be gone tomorrow. Whatever you give to the family of God, you give into your family. And whatever you're giving, it's a gift for something eternal. It's actually a gift that will go on forever. Think about that. Now let me close by talking about, I want to close by saying the gospel a little bit differently than maybe the way you're used to hearing. The everlasting belonging of God's family. I'm going to say the gospel a little differently. Usually you're here saying, you sinned. You did bad stuff. When you go before God, he will judge you. And you're not going to make it unless you're forgiven by the blood of Jesus. That's a good gospel presentation. That's, we're a very individualistic society. That's the way we're used to hearing it, right? And it's good, but let me say it a little differently today. Here's the way, here's the way, here's where I'm coming from. For this is how Jesus put it. Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. If you do the will of God, you're my family. That's the way he puts it. Now let me ask you a question. Do you do the will of God? Are you in this family? That sounds like Jesus is giving you the ultimate piece of legalism. If you don't do the will of God, you ain't making it in this family. You're out. That's a, wow, that's as scary as it gets. He didn't just say, if you go to church every week, and give 10% of your income, and show up at Bible study, and maybe tell a few people about Jesus. I mean, like, you know, each of those feel a little like, that's a, that'd be a tough standard right there. He said, those who do the will of God, you're a part of the family. Um, 
you know, let me say, share something with you. Whenever you have verses like this, they point to the bigger thing. You know, the, one of the great Bible scholars, I forget his name, I should, I should remember his name, right? He said, all the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're long introductions to the cross. That's what he puts it. They're long introductions to the cross. Now, let me say the Gospel a little differently. Do you know that family is eternal? God did not invent family. Because God is family. Before there was anything created, there's Father, there's Son, there's Holy Spirit, one God, three persons. What is that? That's a family, (laughs) isn't it? That's a family. So who obeys God, the will of God? The Son. Does the Son obey the will of God? Always. Now let me just say a little comment about this. We're so anti-obedience. We're very anti-authority in our society that if someone says, obey my will, you just go like, Ugh. you're like, you just, you have power over me. Your boss says, you have to like do what I want, my will. So we just, we're, we're rebel against that. Let me tell you, the will of God is not like, I want you to do X and not B. You know, not like, X, not Y, not A, not B. And you're like, okay, I got to do A just because I just have to. No. You know what it means to obey, submit to the will of God? The will of God is the outpouring of all of his heart all of his beauty, all of his wisdom. For you to obey the will of God, you know what you're saying? I agree with your wisdom. I embrace and become one heart and one mind with all your heart. That's what it means. And that's why I'm going to go do this thing because it's all part of your one heart. Now, how many people ever did this? It's easy. One. The Son of God did this. So there's this beautiful family, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Spirit is the perfect bond of this family. And the Son completely understands the heart of his Father, and he utterly obeys. And then God said, I'm going to make a world. And then I'm going to make a very special creature in this world. And I'm going to make him like you. That's what the Father said to the Son. We have a term for this in the Bible, that human beings are made in the image of God. And I'm going to make him so that he has to be a part of family, like us. And the son said, good. So then God made these creatures called human beings. And then you know what they did? They basically gave a big middle finger to the father. And then they started giving middle fingers to each other and murdering each other. And then they decided to go red ant, back black ant, right from the get-go. That's what started happening. And then, so now, the most beautiful thing, the family of God, the way God wanted it to be, was broken. So let me say this a little bit differently. What was the purpose of creation? What was the purpose of God making human beings? This is the purpose, according to the Bible. So that God would take his holy trinity, which is the most unbreakable eternal family, and then he would make human beings made to be like his son, and then expand the family of God so there would be a forever family, 
an eternal family of God made from you and me, not ants. That's what was, that was the purpose. And then God turned to his son and said, they're not going to make it. They can't be in this family. So now, son, obey me. <laughs> know my heart. Obey me. Go down there and become one of them. <laughs> and show them obedience. Show them what it means to embrace my heart. And here's the way I want you to do it. I want you to die. I will break our family so this expanded family can be made whole and they can be entered in. That's called the cross. The cross was God's way to save you and me to join his family, to give us the best belonging there could ever be. So the son was cast out into hell, away from his father, so that you and I would never be cast out into hell. The son got what we deserved so that we can only get what he deserves. And then he conquered hell. And then he brought us in. And if you give your life to Jesus and embrace the heart of the Father, the heart of Jesus will be credited to you. See, at, at the beginning, you get born again and you don't have the heart of the Son. It's credited to you. At the beginning, we're just terrible at it. We're just terrible. <laughs> at the beginning, it's like a, it's the most incredible adoption. You know, you know, adopted kids, you know what they're like? They enter into the house and they don't know any of the ways of the family. But do they belong to the family? Absolutely. Absolutely. You have an adopted son or daughter. They come into the family. They break things. <laughs> they do all kinds of stupid things. But they belong. This is what Jesus did for us. He invited us to the family. And then we pursue the Father's heart and his will. And then we begin to really, really act like his family. This is, the, this is the drum of church. You know, we sang this song. This is the church. This is God's family. Perfect song for today. It is God's joy on display for all the earth. It's God's family. It's his love and his joy on display for all the earth. And all the young sons and daughters of that family, all that they do is poured out in the wisdom and gladness, the intentional obedience of the Father. <laughs> this is the way God brings heaven to earth. <laughs> Would you trust in Jesus? You and I have, we don't even have obedience, we have rebellion and disobedience. Would you give your rebellion and disobedience to Jesus? Would you stop being a religious person? Stop going to church. Run to your family. And let the obedience at heart of the Son pour into you. And let's run to our Father.
and let him make us our fam- make his family unbreakable and infinitely worthy of all your energy and time forever. Let's pray. We're like these crazy, we're like, we're worse than ants. We think we could go off on our own and tell ourselves who we are. Lord, sometimes we we hate our earthly fathers and mothers because they oppress us with their values and crush us and squash us, even though you made us to be more. And then we think we can define it ourselves. I just choose my own way. But what we really need is the freedom of belonging to you. Thank you, Jesus, that you paid the price that we don't have to pay so that we would belong to the family of God forever. Thank you. Give us new hearts and a new will. Give us a freedom not in an angry and a rebellious way, but we can gently tell other people, if you want to squish me according to your ways, I don't have to accept that because I belong to my Father. My Father's God. And I have the heart of the Son. He's my brother. He's my family. Give us this heart of freedom. May this heart of freedom be one of joy and of love and of courage, joy and love and courage that wells up from eternity. May we give this to our families, may we give this to our neighbors, and certainly may we pour it into the church by your spirit. As we go to your table now, Lord, may we eat from the table of the family of God. (laughs) We go to eat, drink of the blood of Christ, eat of the body of Christ, all of it, so that we could have the heart of the Son. (laughs) And know and be loved by you, Father. As we go to your table now, free us from our enslavements. Free us from our fears. Free us from the way we grab after self-esteem and give that we have God's esteem. (laughs) We have God's joy. We have God's pleasure. May we live in the freedom of God's esteem. God's pleasure. In Jesus' name.